Welcome to the Timeout Bulls podcast driven by Lexus. You can visit a Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer today to test drive the outspoken 2017 Lexus IS. Hi, this is Chuck Swirsky, and our guest today is Mike Breen, the preeminent voice of ABC and ESPN for the NBA. And he's also calling, of course, New York Knicks with Clyde Frazier. But one thing I've always appreciated about Mike, and I've known him for years, he's never forgotten his roots. He's one of us. He loves the game of basketball. And we do talk basketball, but we also talk about his steps, step by step, how he got to this position as the face of the NBA on not one network, but two networks. So give it a listen. Mike Breen, Timeout Bulls, and we're going to hear how he reached the top of the NBA broadcasting mountain. So, Mike, let's let's start at the uh, at the beginning because we know so much about you from an on-air standpoint uh, as one of the voices of the NBA. And I remember last year we did a pregame show on the Bulls Radio Network, and you. Uh, really uh, got after me because you said, no, everyone's a voice of the NBA. <laughs> but I mean, obviously, you have left an indelible mark with your superb job you've done on ABC and ESPN. So let's start. Let's talk a little um, where you grew up and and did you catch the bug early as far as broadcasting? Well, I grew up in Yonkers, New York. And for those who don't know the area, Yonkers is is – uh, right on the border where I grew up, at least, of the Bronx. I was about 100 yards from the Bronx line and uh, have lived in New York my whole life um, and grew up in a family with six boys. And needless to say, with six boys and a dad who loved sports, sports was everything in our house growing up. So, you know, we played every kind of sport possible, uh, from wiffle ball in the front yard to obviously basketball kickball, football, you I mean you name it, we played it. So I always loved sports and and I played sports in high school. I was on the uh, baseball and basketball team. Uh, but was not good enough to play on the collegiate level. So it was when I started realizing that and and I think it's always good when you know your limitations. Um I started thinking about broadcasting or at least being in the sports field somehow. And there was a uh, a family friend who lived in the neighborhood who was going to college at the time at uh, New York Tech, and his name was Tony Minicola. And Tony was really into radio, and he built his own little private radio studio in his house, and you know all the, the kids from the neighborhood would hang out there. And I kind of watched him do it, and I caught the bug of uh, what it would be like to be on radio. And between the bug of uh, radio and my love of sports, that's when I first started thinking, you know what, maybe you could combine the two of them. And uh, it was probably right around 15 or 16 where I started to get the idea. So when it came time for, uh, for college, I wanted to pick someplace that, uh, that had a really good radio program. And, and Fordham University in the Bronx was the place. So that's kind of how it all started. All right. So, Mike, I'm dating myself, and I want to see if there are any parallels here. Because I was one of those kids that would take a transistor radio. And I know for the millennials, they're probably saying, what's a transistor radio? But I took a transistor radio to bed with me, and then I would also grab a flashlight because the lights were out, and I would read the sporty news, or I would listen to the radio. And I'm wondering, were you one of those type of kids where you just wanted to memorize every stat you wanted to know about every player, no matter the sport? Sure. Um, I mean, especially in New York, I was a I was a crazy Met fan, so I knew the batting average of every pretty much every Met, you know, you knew the starting lineup of every team in the National League. 
I wasn't as concerned with the American League because my Mets weren't involved. <laughs> and basketball, same thing. I was a, I was a huge Nick fan as a kid. I loved uh, Clyde and Dave DeBusher. You know, and and you always you know I was the type where like if if Clyde was averaging 19.6 points per game, I wanted him to have a couple of big games so he could get to the 20. You know, so I <coughs> excuse me. I love that part of it, and uh, like yourself, I, I was always studying it. All right, so here you are, Mike. I mean, as we you know, fast forward, you're working with Clyde, uh, but I mean, the years at Fordham. Why Fordham? What what made you go there? The main reason, Chuck, was the radio station at the time. Fordham's college radio station was a fifty thousand watt station, one of the biggest radio stations in the country, uh, for a college station. And they had already had, uh, you know, some broadcasters come out. Obviously, the most famous and the greatest was Vince Scully. He worked there. Um, there were a lot of local New York guys. Um, uh, Sal Marciano was one. There were a lot of writers. So it was it was known as a very good radio program. And as much as the school was wonderful, and it was close by to where I lived, and I could afford it, and <laughs> that was key back in the day. Um, it just was the perfect place, and it turned out to be the perfect place for me, and, and it was all because of the radio station. WFUV is the call letters, uh, Fordham University Radio, and it, it, was, uh, it was a wonderful place to learn the business. Yeah, Mike, I'm, I'm just wondering, because this was a celebration year for Vin Scully. All of us admire his work, obviously a, just a, a wordsmith and just an incredible human being. Did your paths ever, you know, cross with Vin Scully? Have you ever had a chance just to sit down and either talk for him or about the business? Unfortunately, no. I've I've met him once, and it was, you know, I specifically went. He was in town to do a Met game, and I specifically went to uh, to Shea Stadium, uh, as it was called at the time, just to meet him. And unfortunately, the game went a lot longer than it was supposed to do. I was supposed to meet him after the game, and he had a, a flight to catch quickly, so. I chatted with him for about 30 seconds, uh, so that's my only meeting with him. But I, uh, like yourself, Chuck, I've been, you know, in awe of his his longevity and his his sustained excellence and his sustained passion for what we do. I mean, you and I know that you do so many games. There are some nights you just don't feel right either physically or you got stuff going on in your life, but somehow you have to manage to bring that passion and enthusiasm and. And for him to do it for as long as he's had um, the love affair he's had with with the game of baseball and obviously the play-by-play is is something that I don't think we'll ever ever see again. Yes, you know, for many of us, Mike, at least I can speak for myself. I sit in the chair. I don't own the chair. He owns the chair with the Dodgers. And I mean, can you see yourself working until you know, your early eighties, mid eighties? <laughs> I don't. Just the travel alone uh, would be hard. Um, I just hope that I come close to, again, having that, that enthusiasm every single night you go on the air. And obviously baseball plays twice as many games as, uh, as we have to broadcast in, in the NBA. Um, but I, I think I'll always have that love of the game. I mean, I, I just I could watch any basketball game if it's fun, it's a competitive, and, and I think I'll always have that. But to be doing it as long as he can, and again, he... <laughs> His, his level of excellence at this age after all these years is just, it's incomprehensible. And I know for sure that I'm going to be a diminished uh, broadcaster when I even come close to that age. So yeah. I, I just hope I can do it as long as, 
as I can um, and 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 keep a, a, a fair fair level of, of competence while I'm doing it. Yeah. You know, Mike, last year when I filled in for Hawk doing those baseball games with the White Sox, I did nearly 20 of them. And when I would seek advice from different broadcasters, the first thing they would say is the flight of the ball. Be careful about home runs, how deeply it's hit. And so I made a concerted effort to say, okay, you know, I'm going to lock in on that. So this year, because the the Major League Baseball, the league passes, they have all the games as they do, you know, for NBA and all the teams for that matter. So Vin would do the home games for the Dodgers. And I when when there was a home run, he was awesome because as you know, Mike, these players are so good now bringing the ball back over the fence. You have to wait to see whether or not it's a home run call. You, you really do. And, you know, depending on the, the situation and the wind, I mean, as fans, I, I go to, I, I probably have been to 25 Met games this summer. You know, as soon as the crack of the bat and the ball goes in the air, fans are up in the air thinking it's gone, and then it's a you know it barely, <laughs> barely gets right. to mid center field. Uh, but no, it's it's a craft like anything, and and, and the fact that Ben to... was able to keep up with it—that's the thing. Normally, you know, you get your like all of us if we are able to reach us, God willing, to be mid late eighties like Vince. Well, Vin was able to stay with the game. He had not lost his fastball, which is unheard of. Right. It's it, again. It's it's incomprehensible uh, for him to be doing it this long and still be uh, the best who's ever done it and, and not losing anything at all. It's 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 uh, it's somebody that we can all admire and look up to, and we shall never see another Vince Scully. There's no question about that. No. So so Mike, you 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 go through. You get a break. You're navigating your way through a journey of um, of jobs, and and you get the call and the Knicks want you. How did that develop? Um, well, I had uh, I was working in New York City for uh, the radio station that actually carried the Nick games on radio, and I was hired to do in the pre- and the post-game. And the Knicks had a radio play-by-play man named Jim Carvelis, mm-hmm. who was one of the great yes. uh, old-time NBA broadcasters, just had a fabulous voice and uh, really knew the game so well. And he was nearing the end of his career, and they didn't renew his deal. And the job became open, and they wanted to go with a younger guy. And obviously, I, I had told them of my interest and and sent in the audition tape, et cetera. And a fellow by the name of Mike McCarthy, who was the executive producer of the MSG Network, uh, he convinced them to hire me. And I, I'll never forget the call I got in my house. Um, and it was it was so exciting just to get the call and I remember I couldn't breathe it was a dream come true and ironically the year before uh the Nets when they were in New Jersey their TV job was open their TV play-by-play job was open and I was up for that and it came down between uh Spencer Ross who was a terrific New York sportscaster and myself and I really wanted that and I didn't get it and it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because I was a Nick fan growing up. So the following year, the Nick radio job came open. So if I got the Nets job that previous year, I never would have been able to take the Nick job. Mm. And then it, it, the icing on the cake for me, Chuck, and you, you'll understand this as well as anybody, is right after I found out a few minutes later, the phone rang. And uh, it was a congratulatory call from Marv Albert, who was obviously the, the uh, voice of the NBA with with NBC and was also the Knicks TV announcer. And 
when you get a call from Marv Albert to say congratulations, welcome to the team, uh, it was it was one of the cooler moments of my life, that's for sure. Wow, that's a great, great story. So when you picked up that phone, you get the next job. What was that conversation like when you were able to speak to your dad? <laughs> it's fu- it's funny you bring that up because he, you know, he he was the, you know, one of the most important people in my life and 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 my hero growing up and, and all throughout my life. And his, his love of sports is what uh, really started it all for, for all my brothers and myself. And uh, he, he, was, he was so excited. Um, and he knew, he knew how much it meant to me because, you know, when I got out of college, it was a, it was a hard field to get into. And you know this, it's, it's not the easiest field. And I spent about three years uh, working upstate New York and, and you know having a hard time finding jobs and not making any money and not getting anywhere and you second guess yourself and you question yourself and you wonder if you're doing it right and and you know he he knew that i went through my ups and downs for a number of years so um you know obviously as a dad he was really proud and and it was uh, it was a wonderful moment to share with him we'll be back to our guest in a moment let's take a quick break to thank our friends at lexus and tell you about the new 2017 lexus is Now, much like your favorite Bulls players, the new 2017 Lexus IS has a powerful stance, a strong profile, and an undeniable presence. Visit your Chicago area and Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to test drive an outspoken IS today. It proves that some of the most powerful statements don't need words at all. Now, let's get back to Time Out Bulls, driven by Lexus. Well, it's one thing to go to Madison Square Garden Love the building, of course. Everyone does. It's the Mecca. But you watch a basketball game. Mike Breen is a kid. Mike Breen is a teenager. Mike Breen taking time off from Fordham. Of course, you attended every class at Fordham. So you never you know, were able to attend a Knicks game. <laughs> but, 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 Mike, here you are. All of a sudden, you're sitting in that chair. What was that experience like, your first NBA broadcast? Well, I, 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 hype, I was hyperventilating. I remember that because not only was it the first game, uh, well, the first game we did that year was on the road, actually. It was in Atlanta. And um, I sat down to do the game, and sitting next to me is Walt Clyde Frazier. I mean, oh. NBA Hall of Famer, one of the 50 greatest of all time, and, and one of my sports idols growing up. And um, I was so nervous being around Clyde and, and you know, Clyde so went out of his way to make me feel comfortable. And, and for some reason, and you know how this works, some partners you, you mesh with right away, others it takes some time. Sometimes you never get that chemistry. For some reason, um, with Clyde, it, it, from the first game, there was just this, this connection that we had. And uh, so that calmed me down. But I, I remember maybe the first 20 games, Chuck, I, I was so nervous. I, I felt like I was talking 100 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I felt like I got overly excited, you know, a basket in the first quarter. I'm like screaming and hollering like it's, you know, like it's game seven of the finals. And then you, you really learn, you learn to pace yourself and, and you calm down and you get over your nerves. But I just remember I was like I'm saying to myself that first game, calm down, just calm down, relax. It's going to be okay. You got 82 of these to do. Uh, just, just make sure you make the right call and get the score right. So, Mike, uh, what what time frame are we looking at? What year? Uh, the first year was ninety one, ninety two. Okay, 
So that is the opening window for the Chicago Bulls. They won their first championship in 1991. So you were right in the thick of the uh, beginning of the Bulls dynasty because they did win six times in eight years. And had Jordan, you know, been fully there, he was there only for half of one season. And then, of course, as we know, um, you know, Houston won back-to-back championships playing the Knicks that one year in the title uh, in the finals. But give me an idea what it was like Knicks-Bulls in the finals in the 90s as far as the Eastern Conference, either playoffs or for an Eastern Conference finals championship. Well, it was, you know, the, the, the Bulls were such a source of misery for the Knicks fans because the Knicks were a great team in those years and, and probably the second best team in the league. They just weren't good enough. Um, and the thing I remember most in, in all those playoff games was how intense every single possession was. Um, and that, you know, even though it might have been the second quarter, you know, if there was a costly turnover that led to a three-point play, you, you had this idea like, oh, my goodness, what a huge play that was, even though it's in the second quarter. And if, and if a team got up by seven or eight, you were like, oh, you can't come back from that. It's, they're too good. Uh, and that, that's what I remember. And I, and I do remember, and everybody, you know, and rightfully so, they, they talk about the greatness of Michael Jordan and his scoring ability. I, I do remember uh, vividly what a spectacular defender he was when he put his mind to it. And, you know, we, we talk about Scottie Pippen, who may have been the best help defender in the history of the NBA, certainly the best help defender I've ever seen. But when, when Michael uh, put his mind to making a stop, there was nobody better, nobody better. And I remember that struck me. as like, boy, everybody talks about this guy scoring. It's incredible what he can do defensively. Uh, so those are some of the things I remember. So, Mike, when you sit in that chair calling the national game and you've seen different eras now, in the NBA and the comparisons, whether it's with LeBron, whether it's with Kobe and with Jordan, do you think that we should take a step back? And I'm saying we collectively, maybe as fans, broadcasters, media, and just appreciate the fact that all these players are different individually and that we really shouldn't compare eras or players? Or do you think there's a legitimacy that, you know what, Jordan is Jordan and the rest are trying to get there? Yeah, you know, Chuck, it's it's something I've always kind of railed against, and I know I sound like a, a grouchy old-timer, but uh, but I don't think there's any way you can compare errors. Uh, the game is just so different from when Jerry West played uh, in the 60s and 70s to when Michael played in the 80s and 90s and where Steph Curry is playing now. You know, obviously the, the great players would have been great no matter um, what era they played in. They always would have figured out a way. But the game is so drastically different. I mean, in those 90s with those Bulls and the Knicks, it was such a physical game back then, and you could do so many things defensively uh, to thwart even a, a high-potent offense. But now it's it's not, obviously. It's, 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 it's so much different. You know, I, I love the physical play and how every possession was so important back then. But I also I love the up-and-down play of the Golden State Warriors now. So, you know, the, the game changes so often, and... Um, just the way it's played is so different that I, I think it's absolutely impossible to compare errors. I know it's fun for the fans, and I get a kick out of it too, and you make your lists, but I think it's impossible because of how the game changes so drastically uh, over certain periods of time. So, Mike, you, you have called New York Knicks basketball. 
You get an opportunity now a number of years ago, and it's been how long have you been with ESPN ABC calling NBA games? How many years? Um, well, with ESPN ABC, I think it's is it uh, 13 years? I think I'm with them with 13 years, and I did national games with NBC for a number of years as well. Uh, but they all, <laughs> adding it up, it's hard for me to remember the exact number, Chuck. Wow. So is there a difference with Mike Breen calling Knicks games and Mike Breen calling national games? And if so, what is the difference? You know, I, I think they're, they're, it's, a, it's a great question, and I think there has to be a difference because the audience is different. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm broadcasting a, a Nick game uh, for the Madison Square Garden Network, obviously the majority of people that are watching are Nick fans, and, and things that happen, they want to know from a Nick standpoint why it's happening. You know, so say, for example, if the Knicks are playing the Bulls and they're up 15 in the second quarter, a lot of my commentary and, and questions to, to Clyde, the analyst, will be about, okay, why are the Knicks up by 15? And what are they doing right? And who's the, the catalyst for it? Whereas if I'm doing a Knicks-Bulls game for ESPN and the Knicks are up 15, um, I'm going to do 50% of my comments on what the Knicks are doing well and 50% of my comments on why the Bulls are struggling. So, you know, I think you have to, because it's a national audience and the majority of the fans on an ESPN game uh, our fans are just watching both teams. Uh, I think you have to do in terms of the balance of your comments, whereas a, a, a Nick broadcast, maybe 75% of the comments will be about what the Knicks are doing. And I, I think you just have to gear it towards your audience. Okay. Just three final questions, then we'll let you go. We appreciate you spending time with us uh, right here on Timeout Bulls on Bulls.com. The greatest game you've ever called, that it could be, a playoff game could be a regular season game, could be outside the NBA, could be a different sport. What is the greatest game where you have physically sat in a chair as a professional and called that game? Ooh, I think it's impossible, Chuck, and, and you'd understand this as well as anybody, to, to pick just one. Um, it'd be very hard to, to, to find a better game that had more meaning than, than just last year's Game 7 of the Finals that went down to the final possession to decide a championship. Um, I think also the Ray Allen shot in game six of the finals when the Heat uh, tied it up against the Spurs. It looked like San Antonio had the championship in their hands and Allen hits the three to tie it. Uh, That was one of the great games. Uh, Knicks Bulls, uh, the John Starks game when he dunked and the Knicks went up three games to two. um, And I've never heard the Garden so loud and it looked like the Knicks may finally slay the dragon and beat the Bulls and obviously that didn't happen that was one of the great games and then there's there's one quite honestly that that uh, I'll never ever forget and it was in the world championships 2002 uh, and the United States had a disastrous run in there they finished sixth and the champion world championships were in Indianapolis and uh, in the in the finals it was it was Argentina against Yugoslavia and in the arena that night, there were so many fans from Argentina and Yugoslavia that had traveled. And they sang, as you know, international games. They're singing and chanting the whole game. It's unbelievable how the fans are so engaged. And the two teams that went down to the final seconds, and it was so well played. And at the end of the game, both teams were crying. One was crying tears of joy. One were crying you know, te- tears of despair. Uh, because the game meant so much to them uh, from their country standpoint. 
And I, I don't think I've ever been involved in a, a more emotional game between two teams and the fans as well that were involved. So those are just some of them. It's, I apologize for being so long-winded. No, no, no. But it's this hard, is great. It, it's hard to pick one. So, Mike, when you come to Chicago, okay, and I ask uh, visiting broadcasters this all the time. I mean, you're in and out. I get that. You arrive mid-late afternoon. You go to a shoot-around or you're preparing for a game, whatever, and then you call the game. You're back on a bus. You're on your flight and you go. But when you're in Chicago, have you ever spent time here for an extended period? And what do you do? Well, first off, it's it's one of my favorite cities in the world. I, I love Chicago, and I try and, like, if, if I'm doing a game in Chicago on a Wednesday and my next game's not till Saturday, I don't go to the next city. I stay in Chicago for a couple of days. It's one of my favorite cities to run in. I love running along the lake, uh, and it's just um, it's just a great city to run in. It's got, as you know, I mean, the restaurants are just off the charts, starting with the, you know, the old standby Gibsons and, there's so many good places there, and it's just there's a vibrancy about the city. Um, you know, I'm a lifetime New Yorker, and New York is my favorite city in the world. But Chicago is right right behind it because it it uh, it has the same kind of vibrancy, and, and it's just for me, it's it's one of my favorite places to stay. So I'm I'm always selfishly hoping the Bulls are good and they're on the national schedule, so I can go as much as I possibly can. Yes. Uh, final question, Mike. Um, expectations for this season. What 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 do you foresee out of the NBA this year? Well, I, I think it's going to be fascinating to see. Can anybody um, can anybody uh, knock over Goliath? And that's what Golden State is right now. As great as they were, they had a player of Kevin Durant's caliber, and, and there'll be some adjustment in terms of him acclimating himself and a guy that needs the ball so much, but he's such a, a, a unselfish team talent that I think it won't be a problem. And the question is, can anybody knock them off? And, and same thing in the East. I mean, Cleveland, as long as LeBron James is there, still the cream of the crop by far. And the interesting thing will be, can any one team from the East knock off Cleveland? And can any one team from the West um, knock off the, the Golden State Warriors? There's a lot of very good teams but there's nobody as good as those two teams right now, and it's going to be interesting to see um, you know, who can take that step to maybe pose a challenge to them. All right. Our thanks to uh, Mike Breen joining us today on Time Out Bulls. Michael, as always, a pleasure. Thank you. Chuck, my pleasure always to be with you. Look forward to seeing you. I know we got a couple of matchups early in the season together, so I look forward to seeing you. And uh, we appreciate it. Time Out Bulls, a Bulls podcast. We'll be back next week with another edition right here on Bulls.com, our Bulls social media network, and of course, Apple iTunes. Thanks for listening to today's show. Lexus is indeed a proud partner of the Chicago Bulls. You can visit your Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to see the new 2017 Lexus IS. It makes a statement even before you start the engine.